What's up, everybody? Welcome to ATL Sports HQ Live Episode 2, the podcast for the fans, by the fans. My name is Bob Lancaster. You can follow me on Twitter at BowlingBob. How's it going, everybody? I'm ATL Phil. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore ATL Phil. I'm Derek Clemens. You can follow me on Twitter at dclemens. All right, man, you can follow us on the site at atlsportshq.com and atlsportshq on YouTube. Also want to let you know, we are still looking for a name for our podcast. We're giving away a free Game Time Radio t-shirt for someone who can come up with a good podcast name for us. So shoot us over your ideas and suggestions at uh, atlsportshq on Twitter as well. All right, guys, let's get to the first topic of discussion, the Atlanta Hawks. One and three in the last four games. Took the L to Sacramento. A win at Miami. Man, Miami. How about Miami? The loss at Charlotte and a loss at the New York Knicks. We know the negatives of the team, you know, especially this last week. But let's look at the positives here. So what was the game you liked the most this week and why? Go ahead, Phil. Well, I mean, obviously the Miami game because we won. <laughs> But um, no, nah, I think it was that Sacramento. Oh no, no, yeah, I'm just playing. But uh, definitely the Miami game. You know, we showed a lot of energy. We showed a lot of poise. We showed some uh maturity. You know, there was a lot of points in that game where we could have, where we could have just let go and, you know, threw that game away because, you know, like every team is going to make runs. It's how you respond to those runs, and oftentimes this season. We just we are awful at responding to the runs. You know, once we get down sixteen, or once we get down like six, all of a sudden it's sixteen, and well, that's pretty much game unless it's the Dallas game. So, you know, we just got to do a better job, not turning the ball over, playing confident. But they've come out with really good energy since that Sacramento game. Eric, what you think, man? Yeah, I mean, I obviously agree with Phil. I mean, definitely the win, but um. I just I think over these past couple of games we've seen a pro, uh, improvement on both ends. I mean we're playing closer. Besides that Sacramento game, that game was one of the hardest games to watch this year. Well, imagine being at it. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You was at it, so yeah. Yeah, uh, you get you, know. you get to hang with two people that had to watch that up close, and yeah, it, it wasn't pretty. That was probably the worst effort, and maybe it's just coming off. You know, they did look sluggish and tired, especially in the second half of that game. And uh, yeah, it was it, by the, f- by the fourth quarter, Phil and I were ready to uh, do anything, but watch that game. <laughs> I'm, pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure I turned it off in the fourth quarter. Yeah. What about six minutes to go? I just kind of got up. Time to pace around the stadium. I'm actually going to disagree with the both of you. My, my favorite game of this last four was uh against the Knicks, um, I really, really enjoyed the effort that was put into that game. Um, I think, you know, if we could have just made a defensive stop in the last three or four uh, possessions there, we could have pulled that game off. And I, you know, I don't know what we were down. Winning that game. There was a stretch. I think a bad rotation ended up uh, getting them a three when we were down, like when we got it down to – Two or three or four. Yeah, yeah, it was okay. to where we just needed like one big defensive stop. But but we, you know, after that third quarter, I think what we were down by at least I think 13, 13 or fourteen. I can't remember. But it um, the game was pretty much I thought over, especially because that's how most of our losses have been this year. Has been you know we we give it up in the third quarter and then there's just no not really that effort there in the fourth quarter, especially defensively. But um, I thought. Uh, as hard as hard as it's believe Plumley really seemed to energize that team. I thought that two that two hand put back jam had everybody off the bench, and that's when it seemed to really turn around for them to you know to make that comeback. And I just thought that was to me was the most effort or not effort energy that I've seen from that team. Uh, you know, especially in the losses. You know, we, we see the everybody has energy when you're winning, but it's what you're showing when you aren't winning. Yeah, that that, I, that impresses me. We have won that game if Emmanuel Moutier wouldn't have freaking made that mid range. Yeah, yeah, well, that was crazy. But uh, shout out to Trey Young 
uh, in the last week. He really has struggled with his three-point shot, but he's still having a huge impact on all these games. Yeah, I think that's the most impressive thing from him in his rookie season and him being able to do more with this game if his shot's not falling. I mean, he's attacking the rim perfectly, for, especially for that size. It's just good to see that, and I mean – I've really been impressed with his fourth quarter play. It's been amazing every time he's came up clutch in the fourth quarter. Looking like a vet, and he's looking like a closer, something that we struggled with our 60 win season. It's the biggest change to me that I've seen this year um, with the, you know, the point guard department as to where um, you know Dennis, he never really, you know, if his shot was off, it was all about moping, and he wasn't doing anything outside of – you know, shooting the ball and, and it, you know, we, Phil and I, we talked about this earlier, you know, with the um, Oklahoma kind of having a winning streak right on. But if you look at Dennis's stats, the assists aren't there. He's just been scoring. And so, you know, they're quickly going to realize when the scoring goes away, he's not doing anything really extra to, you know, to help that team win. But you're, you're definitely right about Trey Young and that aspect is he brings so much more than just you know, a three point shots, the game. And that, you know, a lot of people didn't realize that because, you know, his shooting obviously was focused majority in college. That's what everybody talked about, you know, is how he put up that 30 to 40 point game really quick. But man, he was always, always been such a crisp passer. And it's, you know, we, we talked last, last week on the podcast that, um, you know, the guys around him weren't really catching those passes. But I thought this week it looked like less turnovers off his passes um, when I know in the Sacramento game, he turned the ball over a lot off the dribble, not as much pass wise, but, um, you know, he's definitely, you know, definitely showing he showed improvement throughout the week. I thought. Now, what, what player has surprised you the most this week and positively go ahead, Derek. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say Kim Bazemore and it's not, well, it's not mostly a surprise. It's more I expected him to be like this. I expected him to be like that last year, too. And, I mean, he showed signs of it. But he's becoming more uh, in control of his game and taking care of the ball better and getting the younger guys together. So, I mean, I've been surprised a little bit with his play and his scoring ability. Now he definitely needs to pick it up on defense. I mean, he lets him hard away get that. Did he guard him last game? I can't remember. Yeah. Would you, con- yeah. would he you let consider? He let Tim Hardaway get thirty-two games on him. Like his defense yeah. really would hasn't you- been that good this year. Would you consider him to Kent to be the the team leader now? You know, as far as you know, vet. Um, you know, as being the leader of the team. Yeah, it's, it seems like he is, and I mean, I hope he is because he's a good locker room guy. Yeah, I think that's why we were able to keep him. That's or you know why we kept him around in a rebuild is because of you know how he is in the in the locker room. So, what do you think, Phil? Who was the player that surprised you the most positively this week? Gotta go with Jeremy Lin. He's been balling since. Yeah, that. he's been nice. He's put together several uh, several good games in a row now. Um, you know, for as bad as he started, for as bad as he looked. I think now he's adjusting to not having his speed anymore. He's letting the game come to him. He's learning how to play the game without his speed that he used to rely on. Playing a lot more under control, and his shot is finally starting to fall. Defensively, I still think he's a step behind, um, but I, I definitely agree with you on the offensive side of things. I mean, he. You know, we he was a leading scorer in the Sacramento game, you know, and then I thought he played really, really well um, in this last game against the Knicks. Uh, but the, my, my only issue with him is that the game just seems to get out of hand when he's running point. I'm not sure why. I'm, I mean, I'm not, not sold that it's him or anything like that, but it just does seem like whenever he's in the game and Trey sits is when they're starting to make those, those bigger runs, you know, and – doesn't take much to get down, you know, 10, 13, you know, points like that, you know, really quick. But for me, the the player that surprised me the most positively is Miles um, Plumley. I mean, I, the guy knows he's pretty much the last option off the bench. And when he came out yesterday and you would have thought he's the first option of the bench, the amount of energy that he brought to that team – 
and like I said, pretty much turned the game around to where they almost won. To me, that's going to show, you know, that maybe he's going to start getting a little more minutes in there. Um, I thought he was aggressive rebounding, you know, uh, which is something I think this team desperately needs. Yeah, bouncing off the Miles Plumley. I think he saw all my crap talking last year on Twitter, and he decided to go put on some muscle, and he was going <laughs> to turn into a new player. Uh-huh. It, it seems like every time he's gotten into the game this year, he's had a good impact. He's just buried on the bench. I thought he was better than Alex Lynn. I mean, I thought he was better than Alex Lynn. Do you think he's better than Alex Lynn, Derek? Uh, I, think, I think Alex Lynn has actually played kind of well. I mean, obviously, there's been times where it's hard to even watch him, but I mean, I think he's had a positive impact on the team at points. I'd rather see him playing than Plumley. Definitely, me too. Well, Plumley still can't catch the ball if you put it right in front of him. <laughs> small steps, Phil. Small steps. We can't. We can't have him be an all-star. Yeah, you got to work up to it. So. <laughs> on money. All right, enough of this positivity stuff. We're going on a West Coast swing here now. And what I'm looking for from you guys is uh, how bad is it going to be against Golden State? I want to know how many points will Golden State score against us in this game on the West Coast swing? 12? <laughs> At least 140. But watch the Hawks because, you know, we're the Hawks. To watch us somehow make that a competitive game. I'm not even going to be that optimistic. I mean, we're, it's not even going to be close. It's We played a Lakers Sunday, and then there's a Warrior game Monday or Tuesday? I, no, nah, I think we go to – I know we go to Denver on the second half of the back-to-back, which is – Oh, okay, okay. But I, I think it goes – it goes Lakers Sunday, Warriors Tuesday. Oh yeah. Nuggets. Oh, Nuggets is actually Thursday. Okay. So yeah. After playing LeBron and the young Lakers that are gonna be running up and down, then playing the war yeah, we they might score 150 points. The only way they don't score 150 or more is if they rest some of these starters, knowing they're yeah. playing the Hawks. I think there the starters will probably not even be playing mostly of the second half. That's that's our only chance, you know, that that we have of winning that game. That's for sure. So hey, look look for Trey Young though. He's gonna try to do something to Curry, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, I you know I'm excited for the whole you know with the West Coast swing coming up. That's the matchup I'm most excited to to see is you know to have that. You know, I guess the people always say the teacher versus the student, but you know he's most compared to Steph. So I think any of them guard. I don't think either of them will guard each other. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you just never, well, you never know. The one thing about it is, you start, he you might start, guard, uh, do what? What'd you say? He might guard Steph, but I don't think Steph doesn't really guard little point guards. Yeah, that's true. He struggles, yeah. struggles with them. He couldn't even guard Dennis. Yeah, I just think you know. Again, the 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 only way is, like I said, is if they sit their starters. But you know what? An upset that would be. You know, I I'd love. I'd love for them to take that game, but I just, you know, maybe if it was the first game on the West Coast swing and you're fresh and all that, you know, I could see them maybe pulling off an upset, but man, that's that's a brutal, brutal game to have. In it's going you know, to be interesting. We're going to see the real Trey Young because he's going to go against these tough defenses in the West, so I think we're going to get a chance to see what he's really made of through this little stretch. Real Hawks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't think I'm ready to see that yet. Well, hopefully we get our boy John Collins back. Uh, I know the Hawks sent out an injury update earlier this week. He should be participating in a a contact practice tomorrow. So he should be back. Uh, I don't want to speculate any actual days, but he should be back within the next. They're definitely not going to rush him back. Yeah, no. I'm excited. I can't wait to see what those two do together. I just, you know – the, the two young guns, the future of our team, we haven't had a chance to see them play together, you know. I mean, other than, you know, maybe, that, I don't know how, how much of the – Yeah, you know, preseason's preseason, though. I'm ready to see it in the regular season when everybody's, you know, playing, playing for real, I guess. So, all right, let's jump over to the exciting Atlanta United. They handled the, uh, the first leg uh, – 
uh, it was what, when was that first? Well, that was Saturday, right? Saturday, Sunday night, one zero. Uh-huh. I feel. Give us the overview of the first leg of the Eastern Conference semis. What was good? What was bad? Yeah, so actually, uh, Atlanta United came out and dominated, and we're not. This isn't just a road win. This was at NYCFC, the best home team in MLS. You know that team had lost one home game all year. Um, so definitely they came out, they showed a lot of fight. They showed a lot of toughness. They showed a lot of grit. They showed composure. They didn't get down after VAR took away that first goal, even though it might've been the right call at the end of the day, but it, it, it's supposed to be clear and obvious when they go to VAR and there was nothing clear and obvious about that play. But, you know, we really, after that disaster in Toronto, a lot of people, including myself, were really nervous about going into NYC. I even said the week before, it wouldn't surprise me if we came back home down 3-1. But we went out there and we took care of business. New York had zero shots on goal. That, I mean, that is huge for an attacking team like New York who scores in bunches at home. They just beat Philadelphia, which was a very good team, Wednesday night, 3-1 in the playoffs. So we went up there. We took care of business. Now we have to come home and take care of business. All the pressure is on New York. Um we were up 1-0. We have one away goal as a tiebreaker. So as long as we win or draw, we're on to the next round. Now it gets a little interesting. Uh, we can we can lose 1-0 and still move on. But if New York scores, uh, if it's 1-1, then we go to extra time and then eventually kind of kick out if uh, kind of shoot out if, if they don't score in that extra time period. But if New York scores more than one, that means they have more away goals and they get the tiebreaker. So we would have to either uh, draw or win. But definitely- now, uh, in the other in the other uh, Eastern Conference uh, semi, uh, who's it looking like on that side? So if we win, who who might we play in the Eastern Conference Finals? So right now, uh, Columbus is actually up on the other New York team, New York Red Bulls. Yeah, our good friends, New York Red Bulls. Uh, they're actually up 1-0. Uh, they, they scored at home in the first leg, so they have a leg up right now. Um, so New York, all the pressure is on Red Bulls. All the pressure is on them, period. You know, they're the best team ever. They won the supportership. If they don't come, if they don't finish the job and win MLS Cup, what does this season really mean to them? So all the pressure is on them. Now they have to come home and get a victory. Columbus is a very gritty team. If you recall last year, they came into Atlanta. They spoiled our debut. They beat, I can't remember who they beat in the second round, but they actually competed with Toronto, who then was last year the best team ever. They pushed them to the brink in the Eastern Conference Final last year. So Columbus is a gritty team. But I tell you this, I'll be rooting hard for Columbus on Sunday. I do not want to see New York Red Bull in the Eastern Conference Finals. I definitely agree with that. I think that uh, you know we have a much better shot at uh, – beating Columbus, um, you know, New York, there's a reason why they do have that supporter shield, you know, that's, uh, yeah. Because it would be kind of, it would be kind of cool to, you know, take them out of the playoffs, especially since they took that supporter shield from us. But, but um, I want the easiest path. <laughs> yeah. Everybody wants the easiest road to the, the easiest road to the cup. That's for sure. So Hopefully nobody's listening in Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, not, let's not give them any fuel. <laughs> that's just what we don't need around here. So they have enough fuel with probably losing their team. So, <laughs> so when is, uh, when is Atlanta playing next? Uh, so we got Sunday at five, really it's five 30. Don't let them, Talking and tuning in at five, getting ready for kickoff. It's five thirty. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, hopefully, hopefully, you know the Atlanta curse is not alive, and uh, we, you know, we we did work on the road. Now it's time to do the work at home, and uh, let's finish that off and let's get to the finals. It's going to be sunny and cold, so the roof might be open. Yeah, yeah, that's. I was looking. Looking on, looking at that before to see if I wondered if they would have the if they would have the roof open. Well, I don't know like they for minimum temperature. They never had that problem arise. So. 
make it make it as uncomfortable for the opposing team as possible. That's how I always look at it. when you have a roof like that. If it's freezing or something like that, make it make it as uncomfortable for the for the you know opposing team as possible. So, all right, well, we'll hope for their win, and uh, hopefully next week we'll be talking about the Eastern Conference Finals instead of not talking about soccer whatsoever. So. All right, well, let's get to the Atlanta Falcons. They're four and four after a huge win against Washington. Absolutely clobbered Washington, thirty-eight to fourteen. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan was fantastic as always. Um, really, really spread the ball around. I thought this time. Um, you know, Julio finally got on the board. So, my question for you, Derek, is: Was this the best game the Falcons have put together as a team this year? Oh, there's no question about that. It was definitely the best game. I mean, the defense was there. The offense was there. Sure, I think we should have even won even more. Uh, that interception that happened, that, that pushed us back a little bit and gave the Redskins some uh, momentum to score. But, I mean, the defense was just on point. And, I, haven't, I mean, we haven't seen them be that good this year because of all the injuries. I guess it was – I guess they were kind of like that in the Eagles game, but that was before all the injuries. And then – it was just good to see everybody on the offense doing well. Calvin Ridley st- started off struggling, but then he picked it back up and had an impressive game. And then it's just great to get the monkey off Julio's back with that touchdown. And I think we'll see another one this week in uh, Cleveland. And, I mean, Matt Ryan, he had another, like you said, another career game. Uh, the run game was there from Ito and Tico. And I mean, I just think we played well, and that's exactly what we needed coming out of the bye. And I think they just, if we just keep continuing to play like that, we can make a playoff run, and we'll be scary in the playoffs if we can get there. So, what you think? Best game of the year? Absolutely, without a doubt. That was, I mean, that was a joy to watch. Yeah, I don't watch many football games start the whole, but I watched that one start the whole. That was just a joy to see the Falcons execute on all facets of the game. Really, it could have been 45-7 if it wasn't for uh, Calvin really running that one wrong route. That was really the only bad thing that happened Sunday. Uh, Matt Ryan just continues to put on a masterful season. You have our makeshift defensive t- uh, defensive side getting it together. You know, they, they're looking better and better. And that actually, like I said on Game Time Radio Sunday, this is going to help them in the long run. All these injuries, or if we're able to recover, make it to the playoffs. This is going to help them because you have guys that really shouldn't even be playing, learning the game, learning how to how to do good, and that's going to help them practice. That's going to help them training camp next year because you have guys that have real game experience now, and that's going to push our normal starters to do even better. These reserves now are getting into six or seven games played together now and to where, you know, you're starting to feel comfortable. You're now, you know, the safety position has been, you know, has been filled out enough now that where um, someone understands the pace of the game and is able to um, set the defense up. Uh, I definitely agree that this was the best game the Falcons have put together. Um, You know, Grady started with a sack early, set the pace for um, a good pass rush. It seemed that, the pressure was on uh, Alex Smith all game long. I thought this was the worst game Alex Smith had had all year. But um, I just – I really love the combination of Tevin Coleman and Edo Smith uh, a lot more than I've ever liked Devonta Freeman alone. Um, you know, it just – they're just two different styles of running, um, and, you know, they're, they're very complementary of each other where, to me – Kevin and Devonta were the the same type of running back. And so, you know, you weren't seeing anything uh, different. And Ito brings in the fact that he's also a great pass-catching running back. So he's, you know, deadly on third down because you're able to throw, you know, a running screen. And, you know, he's got such a good burst of speed. But um, I agree that Julio finally getting that first touchdown was huge. Um, You know, he – it's been talked about, but, you know, he's having such a phenomenal year. I think he was averaging close to, what, 110 a game, even without the touchdown. So, um, you know, he, he's been such a huge part this year. But, you know, you only get recognized when you're in the end zone. Yeah. And so He's been know, great all year. Yeah, it was nice to see him get, get the recognition and get in there. Calvin Ridley, again, 
fantastic. I mean, what if he's not up there for rookie of the year this year, something's wrong. I mean, he has been excellent. Did you see that uh, top 10 list that ESPN put out? No, I didn't take a look. What did it say? Yeah, he's not on there. Oh, that's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a goal. Yeah, he, he – That I cannot say on you. I told – was, we were talking about this, you know, at work, and I was like – I was like the – the Falcons' draft strategy from now on is just be drafting an Alabama wide receiver every year. Forget everything. We'll just score. We'll just score forty a game. Forget the defense. But uh, no, I'll yeah, take it. it was it was just great. I mean, uh, and and, and it, it was great at the right time. A game that absolutely had to be won because you lose that game, you're that you lose another game to the Saints. You know who were able to to beat the Rams, and then you know Carolina also winning. Um, and so, uh, you know, you couldn't have afforded to lose another game. Um, and as much as this pains me to say, you know, they needed to do because the Seahawks took the loss. And so this moved them ahead, you know, the Seahawks in the wild card. So, um, you know, it's just, it was just a big overall win. You know, we talked last week about these next three games being the, the ones that they absolutely had to do if they wanted to make any type of playoff push. But I'll tell you what, as as someone that's not the biggest fan of the Falcons, but enjoys watching the Falcons, uh, that that team scares me in the playoffs. I would want nothing to do with them. I mean, it just so many weapons, and when it's when it's rolling, it's rolling. And there's another big factor coming through that we're about to talk about right now. That's a game changer for them, and that is Bruce Irvin signing with the Falcons and will start Sunday against the Browns. How big of a deal is this for Atlanta, Phil? This is a pretty big deal. Um, I think he's going to come in and he's going to have an impact as soon as uh, Dan Quinn inserts him into the lineup. You know, uh, it's really an area Atlanta has struggled with. It definitely fits a need. What do you think, Derek? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just I'm glad that we made a move, and I think this was the right move, getting a pass rusher. Because I mean, we struck, we've struggled in the past with pass rushing, and I think this will just add on to it. And um, I like he's he's all in too. Like, I mean, if you, I don't know if you guys have seen, but on Twitter, he's just you can just tell he's all in, and he's glad to be back in his home city to play for the home crowd. And I, I mean, people question his effort over the past year or so, but I think he's going to help the team a lot and help us win these games at the end of the season. You got to figure he, you know, he's been in a four-three system as a three-four pass rusher. You know, when he went to when he went to Oakland, and so and he was able to, you know, get pressure on the quarterback. And I think this year, in very limited time, he had three sacks. And, you know, this is three sacks guy playing in a system that he's not comfortable in. Imagine him being back in a three-four. I've seen this guy play for many, many years. He's a game-changing pass rusher, and I think him being back with with Q is only going to make him that much better. He is scary when he's on. He's a pro. He's a Pro Bowl defensive end when he's on. You know, um, this was a huge get for them. I wasn't sure if they were gonna, if they were going to get him because it just doesn't seem like the Atlanta thing to go pick up a position that they need. And then, um, but. Uh, uh, you know, from what I was reading, it said that, you know, he turned down uh, bigger money from Pittsburgh and from New England. And, you know, uh, Derek put it good. He said, you know, that he first thing he did was he said he wanted this for his city. He wants to take this city to a championship. And that's the sole, the sole factor of why he turned down money and everything else, because he knows as someone that's from here, you know, how big a championship would be to this city. So I, I'm definitely excited to see him. I, I'm not sure Sunday if he'll make the impact, but give him a couple games, you know, to get back into that, like I said, the 3-4 swing, and, you know, Q will have him back to being as good as he was when he left the Seahawks. Yeah, and a message to Atlanta Twitter, because, you know, Atlanta Twitter is very short-fused. If he comes in here Sunday and does not have a good game, do not crucify him. Well, you know it's coming. Yeah, yeah. He, he could have five sacks and he'll get crucified. Come on now. But the other thing that's kind of not – that's not really talked about all that much that but is going to be a huge factor is him teaching Vic Beasley how to be an effective pass rusher. There hasn't been – Vic really hasn't had, you know – um. Uh, a strong mentor 
as a three, you know, a three, four expert like Irvin is to mentor him into being, you know, um, an effective pass rusher. So if, if Irvin can't get to Vic Beasley and get him back on track, then I think I'm ready to give up on Vic Beasley. But uh, let's go into uh, predictions for this Sunday. How much you think we are going to put up and what's the score going to be? Phil. 31-20. It'll be a little more interesting than it needs to be because, you know, that's just how Atlanta operates. But Cleveland is not a pushover this year. They're going to they're gonna compete. Think, Derek. Uh, I think we score. I think we score about thirty, maybe a little, maybe thirty-five. Uh, I think we're gonna win by double figures, about ten. I think we're gonna control most of the game. I think the Browns might give us a scare in the first quarter and make it look like it's gonna be competitive, but I think we'll be able to take uh, take care of business. Yeah, I could even see it being a little closer to thirty to twenty-five. <laughs> Yeah, I think they're going to drop a 40 bomb. I just, I don't know. I, you know, I want to think that uh, we can, you know, destroy Cleveland. But you know who scares me the most is, Ger- I mean, not Gurley, but, uh, um, uh, yeah, running back. Uh, Chubb. Yes. Uh, yeah, Chubb. He, he scares me the most. You know, going against Atlanta, got a little bit of something to prove, you know, but, uh yeah, he he worries me more than anything. So I think I think they are going to drop a forty bomb on him, but uh, I think it's going to be forty-two to twenty-eight. But that's uh, you know again, it's the Browns. If we don't win, then you know I told you guys last week this is the game that scares me the most because you start overlooking teams, yep. and that's when it's dangerous. We just they can't get comfortable. Yeah, it has locked in and focused. Mm-hmm. Hey, even when we were one and four, you could say the team was still locked in and focused. That's true. So, all right, let's hit uh, college football time here. UGA wins the SEC East and will now play Alabama in the SEC championship game. For Georgia to have any chance of going into the college football playoffs, they have to win out against Auburn, UMass, Georgia Tech, and Alabama. Any chance they can pull it off, Derek? Is there a chance? Yes. Will they? I'm not. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's a chance. Anything. (laughs) But I mean, for for first of all, before we even start thinking about December, I mean, you just can't sleep on Auburn. You just can't sleep on Auburn ever, no matter how their season going. I mean, they just moved into the top 25, uh, beating a solid A&M team last week. And I mean, they want they want revenge. We beat them in the championship last year and they're going to be coming looking for heads and. I mean, you just can't sleep on any team. And then you got Tech finishing off. Um, no matter how Tech's season going, you can never sleep on that game because they're going to come out wanting to uh, beat Georgia and ruin their season. Especially and, especially wanting to beat Georgia at their, you know, at, at yeah. Georgia's stadium, you know? They, how huge would that be? But And then, I mean, I don't want to think on it yet, but December uh, – I think they have a chance. I think they have talent, but the experience, the Alabama team just being there, I don't know. I think it's just too much for Georgia at this moment right now. I mean, Georgia's a young team. And I think if we want to beat them, I think Field, Justin Fields needs to be incorporated into the offense way more. I mean, I love from he's he's a great passer. He controls the offense well, but we just need that other uh, weapon to be able to beat a team like that. Got to be able to throw them off. That's the only way. Yeah. Yeah, I feel, you know, especially if for some reason we can't get that running game going, um, you know, Fields brings brings that dimension to where, you know, he has the ability to pass and run with the ball. So that that's a big change up. I've noticed, you know, especially in the game where LSU dominated us, was that the running game just couldn't get nothing going on and you force Fromm to pass, you know, more than – you know, than he normally would in a game. And, and it showed, I mean, that's, they, you know, they struggled horribly. He's, you know, he, he's a great game manager, but he's not just, you know, the best passer at all. So, but um, you know, for me, uh, Auburn scares me. I mean, I just, again, you know, having to, having to win out is tough. Um, you know, usually the, you know, college, the playoff committee, they will, um, 
you know, always want to take the SEC champion. Um, but I, you know, Alabama kind of has a easy, easier road to, you know, the, the final game than we do. So I just don't see them, you know, having a loss. And so, um, you know, I don't think the committee is going to take a two loss, a two loss Georgia team, even with an SEC championship game win against Alabama. So take care, take care of your business first with Auburn. But I, you know, one thing, the other thing to me is, you, you don't think UMass wants to come in here and knock off somebody like that and make uh, a UMass could barely beat UConn. So, <laughs> I mean, they're obviously gonna come in thinking they're gonna win. But uh, no. have we have we ever played UMass? I can't uh, remember. I, I can't remember playing UMass. Uh, UMass hasn't been good since I left Massachusetts. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't tell you one player on that team, so I, I'm gonna have to agree with that. I mean, there's I no. I forgot they were even a team. Yeah. Well, you know, I had to look. I had to look because I knew we. I knew we had three games before the before the SEC championship game, and I, I knew one was Tech and I knew one was Auburn, but I had zero clue who we were playing in between there. So that I had definitely had to do some research on that, and you know, that, so then I looked up UMass, but. Again, team, teams like to me, teams that have you know nothing to lose scare me more than teams that have everything to lose. You know, so but, I mean, I just yeah, that's not happening. I, I now maybe if if Coach Rick was still here, yes, you know, I yes. see, you know, you can see that being an overlooked game, but I just there's no way Kirby doesn't have them prepared. And ready, you know, and and giving them the business if if they even start showing some kind of slacking against against UMass. So if Rick was still here, uh, we would have four losses right now because we would not have recovered from that LSU game mm-hmm. or three I, I, or whatever. I agree with you guys though that I mean there is a chance. I mean, uh, you know, I, there's always a chance. But man, Alabama's just one of the best teams I've ever seen. I mean, I just touching them nobody's touching again them. i mean he you know even in a game you know even in a game against lsu i mean look how they dominated them i mean it wasn't i was, like, yeah, I was surprised dominant. y'all don't think two sec teams get in this year i think i think but it's hard because i mean who yeah you're not getting a georgia team well, even if, if they what if they falls and michigan falls and no way. I, I think if they if they had won out and Alabama wins out, the SEC championship game wouldn't matter. Both teams would have got in. Uh, they're just, they're just guess, how Alabama slips up. Mm-hmm. So I guess I guess Alabama would probably be. I'd give them like they would probably be in a top four. Say if we beat them, if we both went out and then we beat them in the championship, they're, I think they would probably still be in there. So then there would be two teams. Yeah, I I think that even if um. You know, say Georgia loses to Auburn and then wins the SEC championship game against Alabama. I still think Alabama gets in over Georgia to you know into the college football playoffs. I mean, again, that's probably it'll be know, hard to put a two team, two L team uh-huh. above. Because I just don't, I don't, I don't see Clemson. I don't see Clemson losing, so I'm pretty sure they'll be in there. I mean, Alabama's pretty much locked a spot in. I mean, unless they get upset, you know, this is not going to happen, but. You know, unless they get upset in one of their final games, um, you know the other the other spots are up for grabs. I mean, those are the questionable teams for sure. Um, you know, I'm, but there's what there's still I think two two undefeated teams outside of outside of the top five right now. I know one was Central Florida, who's still trying to think that they're the national champions, even though everybody knows they they're not. So yeah, nobody's talking about that. Yeah. But another scary team that's been playing really, really well that has a shot to get into that is Washington State. They have big, big wins. They have enough top 20 wins um, to where they're moving up in the polls a little bit. Uh, and I think them winning the the Pac-12 is going to put them top six, top five, top six, especially um, only being a one-loss team as well. Uh, and so – but that for that to happen, there would have to be, a, like you said, a bunch of losses. I just can't see it. Um you know, because Notre Dame will stay in if they win out because the committee loves them, and Ohio State will be above anybody else because the committee loves exactly. Yep, who's who's going to sell tickets in those top four games? You know, it's, it's going to be the biggest biggest thing. That's why Ohio State and 
Notre Dame are loved every single year. Uh, uh, college football fans better hope that Ohio State does not beat Michigan uh, at the, on the last game because if they beat Michigan, then they're going to probably find their way into the uh, playoffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it's it's they're in the same situation though as the SEC. Um, I don't think they're going to take. I don't think they're going to take a two loss team, but. Um, you know, like I said, the committee always, always has love for Ohio State or Michigan because of their fans will buy up those tickets like, you know, quicker than anybody. So, but, but, uh, but let's hope, let's hope that they do take out because I do think if we do win all four, we're in for sure. I think Alabama and Georgia will both get in and then you're going to have to, you know, I think Clemson will, will take the one of the other spots, and then it's going to be interesting to see who gets that final four spot. It'll be Notre Dame if they win out, but but Notre Dame doesn't have a championship game. So the bad thing about that, all this is, is being a Georgia fan is if we beat Alabama to get in, guess what? We got to beat them again to win the ship, and that's yeah. not happening. <laughs> that's not happening. Yeah, could you imagine imagine having to win two games against Bama yeah. to win a championship? That's that's a tough task to do, and I agree with you. I just don't think that could ever happen. So, but uh, I I but I said at the beginning of the year I didn't think this year was the year for Georgia. I think next year is the year for Georgia. We look good now, but I think next year we're gonna because we're gonna let Fields come into the offense and mm-hmm. let actually let him throw the ball. I mean, we've barely seen him throw the ball this year in games I'm, that in uh not garbage time so i watched a lot of fields high school tape and i'm i cannot wait he is he's, electric he's he's and yeah he's the real deal and I, I agree with you i wish they i wish they'd let him see the field a little bit more than they have and more than just you know an option just an option situations you know the wildcat situation i'd like to see him really you know take take the offense and um let him go with it um, he can do you, know. he, you can he can do so much in the RPO offense. I mean, because he has that arm, and people aren't going to expect it. But I, hopefully, he comes into the offense and is used as the weapon that he can be within. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, let's let's get through this year though, and let's you know again, we're we're definitely all rooting for them to go all the way. And you know, I I'm excited. You know, regardless, because even if we lose one of these first three games, you know we got a chance to, to upset Alabama and that would, you know, that'd be a big win for the program. Even, you know, even if we went out, a winning, any one win against Bama would be huge for this program and Kirby smart, especially after coming so close last year. Um, but I just, again, I, I used to think last year's Bama team was the best, one of the best teams I've ever seen. And I think they're nothing compared to the team I've seen this year. So my, you know, I said Bama from the beginning, I still think Bama at the end, um, so, you know, we'll have to wait and see going into these next few weeks, but let's just take care of business and, you know, worry about Bama when it comes time for Bama. So, all right. looks like we've made it through, you know, pretty much everything as far as Atlanta sports. Let's get into some buy or sell to end the night. Le'Veon Bell must report this week or he will not be able to play this season. He has teased leaving Miami where he was training and was also seen in a Pittsburgh gym. Buy or sell Le'Veon Bell returning to the Steelers, Derek? Uh, so I think he's he ain't gonna play. I don't think he'll play this year. I, I mean, he's been out so long. It's just hard. I mean, it doesn't matter if you worked out. It's just not the NFL speed, a uh, game time speed. So I think he's gonna just go ahead and sit out the rest of the year. Buy or sell, Phil? I'm a buy. I think he's gonna come back, and he's gonna look awful though. And they'll go back to James Conner. You know, at beginning of this year, I would have been buying this like crazy. But the fact that James Conner has stepped in and handled this offense, I, I don't think Pittsburgh really wants him to come back now. It's more um, of a distraction now. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Now it's a distraction. Yeah, reports really that even the locker room is split at this time. Yeah, you know, I don't think I don't think anybody saw Connor being as good as he as he has been, and you know they really haven't yeah missed a step. And then the other thing is going into I think they said uh, um, I was reading that uh, Le'Veon's contract like it won't they can't like do the franchise thing or something next year. So um, so why not just sit at home, rest the legs up? You're gonna get a huge free agent contract regardless of where you go. You know whether you sat out this year or not, because you're gonna be on a year's worth of fresh legs. Um, 
you know, I just don't, I, I'm surprised that he's not back. I figured he would have been back. I thought he was going to come back after their bye week, but it, you know, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, this is, this is someone doing something like this. That's never been done. Um, you know, people have, people have sat out two or three games, you know, or, or sat out the preseason, but you know, to, he just thinks his worth is, you know, worth more than, you know, the franchise tag. But will he ever make up this money? I mean, at this point, we're talking about he's giving up millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> like, is his next contract even going to get him back to what he would have made if he just would have waited? I think someone's going to give it to him. I mean, you know, you got so many teams that are running back deficient. And again, you know, it's hard. You know, I, I kind of understand where he's coming from because there is nobody like him. You don't have the single touch running backs anymore that are, you know, taking as many carries as he carries in a single season. He's not a split back guy. He will be if he comes back to Pittsburgh this year. He'll be splitting them with James Conner. But, you know, he he's so different. So I do think that someone will overpay for him and give him what he wants, but certainly not going to be Pittsburgh. All right, Michael Thomas of the Saints, after a touchdown Sunday, recreated the infamous Joe Horn cell phone call celebration. Buy or sell Joe Horn celebration being the best touchdown celebration ever. Go ahead, Phil. Sell because the Saint player did. It was so original when it happened, you know. That was, I, you know, I remember seeing Horn do that, and I thought, man, that's some, that's pretty creative. So, fire sell, Derek. Uh, I'm gonna have to go ahead and sell. I think my favorite, my favorite has to be uh, To running to the star. That's my yeah. Uh -huh. And then on the bias side is when uh, Roddy White uh, lifted up his his free Michael Vick shirt. Yeah, yeah, that was a cool one too. I see, I saw that game. When you talk celebrations, you always got to shout out the classic Lambo League. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's my, you know, things like they say, like, on your bucket list of sporting things. I think doing the Lambo Leap would, you know, be on, like, my bucket list of, like, sport things to do. You know, it just seems kind of cool. A lot. Of, I know a lot of people that when they get traded to Green Bay, they think that's the coolest thing ever. They get to go and run and jump into the – you know, jumping in the crowd. You know, I'm always a big fan of, of any kind of interaction like that. I, you know, I'm, obviously I'm not a fan of Cam Newton, but I really love that, you know, his celebration involves giving the ball to a kid, you know. Um, it just, those kind of fan interactions are what, you know, what keep the game going. But, but I'm actually going to uh, sell. Um, I think Ezekiel Elliott when he jumped into the Salvation Army bucket in the, near the Christmas game, it was awesome. I laughed so hard. And the fact that it raised so much money for the Salvation Army that week, and he matched it with a 30, I think it was $35,000 donation himself. Yeah, that was, that was and so, you know, it, it doubly made it as good that, you know, they uh, were able to raise money for it. It was just, I mean, he was, that was that, I think that was his rookie year, and he, he was such a goo ball, and I, I just thought that was I thought that was one of the best ones I've ever seen. But Joe Horn to me, that's a that's a close second though. That I really uh, um, I'm I'm a fan of letting them celebrate. I've seen some really creative ones uh, this year, um, especially. I, I do like Cam Newton celebrations a lot. Not just yeah. only the fan, not just only the fan one, just everything he does. He just has that swagger to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Seahawks, they they worked on all year. They've been working on like different skits and routines to do during the during their touchdown celebrations. So they've had some pretty creative ones this year. I haven't really seen the Falcons really do too many uh, too many crazy ones yet. But I think you know they're they're more like just get to work kind of team. I can't see like Julio doing that. I can't see Matt Ryan doing that. He, so he, uh, Julio did some stuff last year. What do you do after that Sanu touchdown pass? They did the little stop go. We need we need more dirty bird. That's what we need to see in the end zone. <laughs> All right, Duke opened up its college basketball season by absolutely destroying Kentucky. Shout out to Justin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 118-84 on Tuesday night. 
buy or sell Duke winning the NCAA championship this year, Derek? All the way in, buy. There, this that talent. This they have three players that. Okay, three, two that are going into the top, are getting picked in the top ten, bearing injuries, and um, Cam Reddish. I mean, he's right there too. He's a top fifteen. He could sneak into the top ten. It just depends how he plays. But that team is uh, very good. I mean, they lack depth, but I think uh, that team's just too talented. Phil, you buying or selling? I'm a buy. That team could buy the could beat the Cavaliers right now. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> uh, Paul Pierce did say that today. I think <laughs> that team. I mean, that team's good. That you know, I'm I'm actually gonna you know buy 100% as well. Uh, you know, I watched that game the whole game, and uh, my first thought was, wow, all all five of these guys could go in the first round. Three are gonna go in the top ten, um, uh, and add in Coach K to that mix. You know, um, but you know what? What's kind of funny to me though is it seems like the better Duke teams seem to be the ones that always get upset like in the first or second round um it's it's always you know their championship runs that they have made ha have been with their lesser talented teams um uh, or or their they've had more seniors on the team uh and this is you know this is such a a young a young duke team uh and that's you know the the one and done type thing, and you know, in the NCAA tournament, is you know, it's harder sometimes on these teams that are that are you know so so favorable. But you know, even even with that said, I mean, how how can you not buy? I mean, Kentucky is a top team themselves, and they and they made them just look absolutely horrible. So yeah, we haven't uh, yeah. seen a team this talented in a while. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. This is you know, I've seen a lot of of Duke basketball being a, a North Carolina basketball fan. So um. And, uh, you know, this might be one of the better Duke teams overall, you know, that, that I've, that I've ever seen put together. And that's hard to believe because they've had some fantastic teams, you know, in the last 10, 15 years. So, um, it's hard to believe that it, you know, this team, a team now could be better than any of them, but we'll have to wait and see how they do throughout the season it was just one game, but, uh, I do, th I think they could make a run at an undefeated season this year. I mean, and they're just, they're just that good. So. I mean, I'm sure North Carolina will have something to say about that. You know, they when they come in, it's uh, you know, you know that rivalry. So you know, any if there's any kind of upset that could happen, it you know it could be through North Carolina. But I just, I just not seeing. I I'd love to see a, a a men's basketball team you know make a run like you know like UConn does on the women's side and uh, you know just dominate dominate through and you know make it through the NCAA you know NCAA title and you know, go undefeated all the way through that. But it's going to be interesting to see. But I'm telling you what, if they play like they play on Tuesday, there's nobody beating them. So, all right. My last buy and sell, um, I actually just came up with this one. LaMelo Ball is returning to high school. Buy or sell the Ball family, Phil? I'm going to put them on layaway. <laughs> 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 because you know they they built a really good brand and a really good name for themselves, but you know there's just a lot of theatrics. So, but at the end of the day, they've done some pretty good stuff. And hey, all that matters, they're set for life, pretty much. No matter if they make it big or what, they're set for life. So you gotta respect that. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna buy, but. That, that was one of their biggest mistakes was sending both of them off uh, overseas, especially LaMelo Ball. He needed to stay in high school and go and play in college. And I'm pretty sure he's still not going to be able to play in college because of him signing an agent. I'm pretty sure I'm not, I'm not 100%, but I think that was one of their worst decisions. How was he able to play – well, how was he able to play high school ball taking money on the pro side? That's what I didn't understand. I, I, I think it's fine. I don't think there's any rules against that. I don't I don't think so. Would they just consider school. it like, like a high school job? Because I mean, yeah, you can do you can get paid for and while you're in high school. So I mean I you know, I'm I'm gonna buy. Uh you know, I 
I, I sell them as basketball talent. Um, I, you know, I just think they're overrated basketball wise, but man, how could you not buy them as a business? I mean, the, you know, it starts, starts with their dad and the hype and then, you know, goes through with the three boys. Anybody to me that can sell a $700 pair of shoes and sell out on a website, you know, if you can convince people to buy $700 shoes, you're a genius. That's all I got to say. I mean, I, and then they just came out and said that now they're going to come out with a, a newer brand that's going to be in that $200 cheaper range. You know, I don't know how much anybody pays for sneakers. And those know. shoes look way better than the first ones that came out. In my uh, I, I haven't seen them. I just heard, you know, I just heard that that was happening in. So, but, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely buy them as a business. I mean, like you, like you said, they're, they're set for life because, you know, they, they, their dad has such a business mind and, you know, I, I always live by the motto controversy creates cash. And who's more controversial in that game than, you know, than, you know, dad and ball. But, you know, if you notice though, this year, you know, LeBron and magic got, got him on mute. I haven't heard one thing really about him the entire year. I did see a report. Uh, it was like last week. He said he could coach uh, the Lakers with his eyes closed or something like that. It was something crazy. <laughs> I don't know if it was true, but it was a report from a credible source. I forget who the source was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, Luke Luke's job was in trouble last week, so that you know they might need a new coach. You know, it was nice to see nice to see LeBron come out and you know support a coach for once instead of throwing them all under the bus. But you know, it took it took what a year year and a half for him and you know Spolstra to get going on in in Miami. Oh, so yeah, you can't expect you. Them to just know what to do, especially when a player yeah. like that. I mean, they're the same age, mm -hmm. like. But the problem is, is Magic Magic's got them unreal expectations. He thinks they're the next Showtime. They gotta, you know, I mean, he they gotta win now. Yeah, they gotta I win. Mean, oh yeah, they're. I, I mean, they they're not, especially not this year. But yeah, it'll be it that that'll be an interesting thing to see because I don't think that I don't think that Magic's gonna give the the leash that Pat Riley gave, you know, to Spolstra when when he was you know handling that situation, but. You know the the Lakers to me so far have been the most disappointing team this year. So um, you know, hey, that's not going to happen when they've committed the money that they've you know committed to to making the you know the Lakers what they are. You know, I just can't have that happen. Those fans will those fans will tune out quick. So all right, let's I got one more quick one to add. Oh, what's up? I was just scrolling Instagram and I see Trey Young getting cut at the <laughs> shot before the game yesterday. Buyer still the swag shop. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Bob. That to me, buy. That was the coolest thing. You know, when we when we were uh, when we walked around the arena and you were showing me everything, and you know, I, I came I came back and told the guys. You know, I said I said, man, I walked around that thing and. That's so so much improvement, but man, all I could think of was, man, that must be cool to sit in that barber chair and get a cut while you're sitting there while you're watching the game. I, I you know, I'm 100 percent buying. I thought that was awesome, and it's so unique. I don't know anybody. It's you can get a fade and watch a game. You, you can't do that anywhere else. Yeah, I'm not to buy. That's like you said. It's so unique. I ain't never heard of nothing like that, and it's so Atlanta. Like that's something you would expect from a team in Atlanta. But you better your your barber. You it better be like a barber shop where you you could talk, chat sports, chat what's going on in the hood. You know, like I make it sound like I know what's chatting going on in the hood. We know better than that, but <laughs> but I mean, I, you know, I've been I've been in some barber shops, and you know, it's it is a, it's an enjoyable enjoyable experience, you know. And so, uh, my my question was, Phil, do you know how much it costs? That's what everybody's been asking me. How much does it cost for a cut? Trying to find out. <laughs> I, know I think more than it probably should be. Hey, I don't go to. I come on here. So nah, you got to do it one time. For, I mean, you got to see some yeah, tickets. Uh, you there all the time, so you got to do it one time. For the, for the uh, how I represent the Hawks, I, I am gonna have to go next. Yeah, you got to do it one time. If the two, we're the since the two of us are the only ones that live here, and I'm going bald, and you've got the most hair. You know that means it's up to you to go test it out and see how much it is. So. I'm gonna definitely check it. I'm gonna definitely check it out before the season. It is definitely one of the coolest features of any arena I've ever seen. Like I said, it 
no one else has it that I know of. And, uh, and it is, it's something that when people talk about the stadium, you know, their, you know, the arena, that's, that's something that they can tell. Oh, did you see the barbershop or then they got that barbershop? And, you know, those, those are the kind of features when, uh, you know, like things like, uh, the all-star game come out here, you know, you know, they're going to make that a feature thing. You know, some of them, some of them guys going to the barbershop, you know, getting a quick cut before the game, you know, it is, it is really, really good um, topic piece for the Hawks to have. So yeah, that, that was, a, that was actually a good one. Where, where were you when I was looking for suggestions on this earlier? We could have had Mickey Mouse, but no, we got to talk about, we got to talk about the haircuts. <laughs> So, all right, let's call it a night. Phil, ending shout-outs, man. Who are you shouting out tonight? Uh, definitely shout-out all of y'all on the site, you know, our people that aren't on with us tonight. Uh, shout-out Game Time Radio. Shout-out the whole city of Atlanta. Uh, shout-out everybody that went and voted this week, record numbers. Shout-out uh, shout out friends, family, you know, everybody in my life. Shout-out everybody. I, I ain't got a big list like Phil, but we're going to shout-out the crew, you know that. <laughs> The West Side crew, we're going to shout out the Falcons. Hopefully, we come in and get another big win. And shout out the Bulldogs. Keep fighting. My shout outs to you guys, the listeners. You know, um, tell a friend. Tell tell the friend's friends. Have your friends tell their friend's friend. Let's get the word out about this podcast. You know, we really enjoy doing this for you guys. And so, you know, we want to continue to do that. But we need some views and some, you know, some shout outs on Twitter would help. Um, you know, let's get this thing, you know, let's get this game rolling, you know, so that's my shout outs to the listeners. So, well, thanks for listening to the ATL sports HQ live podcast, and we will see you next week.